So Malachi chapter 3, beginning at verse 6. I, the Lord, do not... ...of Jacob are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. This is the word of the Lord. I wonder how many microphones I need. I've got three at the moment, so uh, you might be able to hear me. <laughs> if you can't hear me, wave. And I'm just wondering if somebody could bring me a glass of water, because it's, uh, it's normally a glass of water here, and someone's very, very kindly uh, organises that. But probably just not being noticed particularly, but that would be great. Thank you. Well, J. John says that plenty of Christians have had... Uh, in fact, this is the first time I've preached on money or giving in my ministry here at Christchurch. Uh, so it's probably about time, isn't it, really? Uh, Keith's coming up with all. Thank you, Keith. Uh, the reason I'm delivering this talk this Sunday, not next Sunday, next Sunday being gift day, is that I want us to do two things in preparation. Thank you very much, Keith. Thank you. Uh, two things in preparation for next Sunday, gift day. Uh, specifically um, to help us all prepare for the specific amount that you might give next Sunday. Uh, and you know the appeal that's been given out uh, for the phase refurbishment of the church worship space uh, that Sarah's been talking about. That is a specific request for uh, help uh, for giving that is uh, particularly next Sunday. That's gift day. So that's uh, uh, between you and God as to what amount that might be. Uh, but I also want to do some more general teaching this morning on giving in the wider sense uh, of how much uh, do I or do you give monetarily, uh, might be each week or each month, uh, to the work and mission of this church. Uh, a health warning before I begin. Uh, this is going to be a fairly long talk. 
Uh, so if you've got your polo mints, you might want to get them out now and count how many you get through. Uh, but I am, it's going to be a quite a long talk. So uh, it may be 25, 30 minutes. Um, it depends on what you're used to, really. If you go to a Baptist church, it's 45 minutes a week, isn't it, Colin and Anne? Uh, so you're, you're, you get away with it quite easy, actually, most weeks. Uh, but it's, it's about a 25-minute, half-an-hour talk. So um, just, just get comfortable. Um, uh, one or two other things before I pitch in that I, I want to say, important things to say. Uh, I acknowledge, first of all, I acknowledge that giving isn't all about money. It's not. Of course it's not. Uh, money is, is part of our giving, but it's, it's how much we give to God in all the other ways that we can give to God in, in our time, in our talents, in our commitment, in our efforts, in our gifts, and so on and so on. That's all giving, isn't it? And that's all so important. Absolutely. So it is, uh, this is particularly though about our giving in terms of money. Uh, secondly, I want to say on the, on, at the outset, on behalf of the PCC, how hugely grateful we are to you all for all that you do give, monetarily particularly. Uh, and uh, you know, all that you've given in the past, uh, all that you give now and all you'll give in the future, we are all hugely grateful to you. And I know you had a, a gift day before uh, I arrived, before the Hubbers arrived, and, and that cleared a deficit, apparently. And uh, again, a very, very big, sincere thank you from me as vicar, but also on behalf of the PCC to all of you. So thank you. And it's, of course, it is the, the responsibility of the PCC to to manage that money and to manage how we spend the money so uh, that you've given to us. So we do that. We have to do that responsibly. That's, that's our task, to, to, uh, to spend it wisely and responsibly. And, and you need to keep an eye on us uh, that we're doing that. So do do that. But let's lighten the atmosphere with a joke. Let's have a joke. Uh, two men were marooned on a desert island. One of the men was desperately worried and he was pacing back and forth, and he would look out to sea and look to see if there's any passing boats, any passing ships who might be coming along. And he'd be breaking down in tears at their predicament of being stranded on this desert island. And the other man, meanwhile, just lay back on the sand and soaked up the sun and drank his coconut milk and was having a great time. Until eventually the first man said to the second one, he said, aren't you worried about the fact we're going to die on this island? And the second man said, no, I, I'm not worried at all. I earn £100,000 a week, and I faithfully tithe to my church every week too. I'm not worried. No, my vicar will find me. <laughs> that is the, that's the subject we're going to think about today, tithing. The subject of tithing. Now, I don't even know if you've ever considered that before as a church. I assume you have. But I have to assume that. I don't know for sure. I, never, I haven't actually asked. Uh, but it is a biblical idea. Tithing. Now, you probably don't earn £100,000 a week. And if you do, I'm sure Dave will want to come and speak to you very quickly afterwards. Uh, but whatever our fin financial situation is at the moment, we need to listen to what the Bible says about our calling and our privilege for to give to the work of God's church here at Christ Church. Uh, something else I want to say at the outset of my talk. Um, it's not, this isn't an area that, you know, I've got completely sewn up. Um, it, it's an area that I confess I've struggled in over the past, I struggle with now. It's not a, you know, giving is not the easiest area of our life to get right as a Christian. 
And it's been rightly said that the last part of a person's life to get converted is their wallet, so often. So I'm with you on this. If this is an area you really struggle on, I'm with you on it. Uh, But it's a vital area, looking at how much we give our tithes and our offerings and looking at it in honesty, with honesty, before our God. And being open to his spirit, working in our lives and our hearts and our minds and to be conformed to the mind of Christ. So I know we've already prayed and Sarah's prayed for me, but let's just pray again as as we get into this subject. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we know, Lord, that this area of money can be a very difficult one for many of us. Uh, it can cause all sorts of questions to, be, to arise in our minds and, and in our discussions with each other. And so, Lord, help us just to have open minds this morning. Help us to, to hear what you say through your word and help us to apply it to our lives before you. And, uh, Lord, to do that with integrity. In Jesus' name. Amen. So Malachi, we're looking at Malachi, the prophet. He's uh, uh, one of the classic Old Testament prophets. He's in the line of Jeremiah and Ezekiel. He's one of the minor prophets. We looked at Jonah recently, didn't we? Didn't we? And, uh, uh, and Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Malachi, all these other prophets, their job, their task, is to bring God's people back into line with God's heart. Uh, to bring the people of Israel, the people of Judah, God's special nation at that time, the Israelites, back into line with God's heart and mind. And one of the things that Malachi is concerned to put right is the, the extent to which the people are willing to give back to God. To give back to God out of love and out of service to him. And that amount is, is, that amount is what is called the tithe. And the tithe, or the tenth part, uh, had always been an essential ingredient of worship uh, for the Israelites, right from the start, right from the time of Abraham. So let's do a little bit of work, shall we? And let's get back to Genesis. So if you've got a Bible with you, or there, or the Pew Bible, look back to Genesis chapter 14. Again, I've got a different Bible, so if anybody's got a page number to, to shout out, uh, Genesis chapter 14, verse 17. Has we got a page? 14. Page 14, thank you. So Genesis chapter 14, and we'll look at verses 17 to 20, which says this. After Abram returned from defeating Kedorlaomer, and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh, that is, the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. And he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. It's an intriguing passage of Scripture. Uh, Abraham, or Abram is, is then known, he's won an amazing victory over the enemies of, uh, of, his, of, of God. Uh, an enemy who is uh, 20 times bigger than God's own army. And in the valley of the kings. And in this valley he, he meets this mysterious man called Melchizedek. And Melchizedek brings not only bread and wine, which in itself is an interesting offering, isn't it? 
as we now think about it in terms of bread and wine. But he also brings God's blessing in verse 20. Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And in response to that blessing, we're told that Abram freely and voluntarily gives up a tenth of all that he had recovered. All of the loot that he'd got from that battle, he gave a tenth back to God. No one told Abram to do that. No one had told him that's what you do. Uh, that's nothing that had been instructed to him before. But that's the figure he arrives at. And it's the first time that the tithe is mentioned in the Bible. And then subsequently it is mentioned elsewhere. And one of those is in Leviticus. So let's uh, go forward a little bit in the Bible. So uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And we're looking at Leviticus 27. So towards the end of Leviticus uh, Leviticus 27, verse 30. Again, if anybody's got a page number, please shout it out. 131, thank you. So Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30 says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. And that is a, a, a command that is, is given elsewhere in the Old Testament as well. It's, it's a clear Old Testament uh, command. It's, uh, the people of God are expected to give to God the tithe because it belongs to God. That's the, that's the basic principle behind it. It is, it is God, so give it back to him. Give him a tenth back. And so that is why when Malachi, we get to Malachi later on, much later on in the Old Testament times, that is why Malachi, you see, Quite, I won't do it because it's rude. He quietly points the finger at God's people a long time later on and he says, Will a mere mortal rob God? Verse 8 in Malachi chapter 3. Is a mere mortal going to rob God? And so what Malachi is saying is that God's people are cheating God from his rightful portion. And Malachi the prophet comes against them very strongly. And yet, this is, of course, also God's timeless words. It's a word for then, it's a word for now. And, and this verse 6 points out something really important, uh, where it says, I am the Lord and I do not change. Now, this is a, a debatable point at, at this point, because some people say, well, that's the Old Testament and that is the Old Covenant. And so, therefore, that doesn't count for today. Um, and, and you may in your home group want to debate that and discuss that. You know, does this tithe that stands so clearly in the Old Testament stand for us in the New Covenant? You'll have to discuss that. But what it does say is some very clear things. I am the Lord and I do not change. So some people say, yes, this is a word for the ancient Hebrews. So it's a word for us today. Absolutely, yes, it is. It is. And it's very clear what, what Malachi is saying. Is it right for a person to cheat God? Well, the answer, of course, it's not. Self-evidently, it's not. It's not right to cheat God. And so the question, therefore, becomes, if it's not right to cheat God, well, why isn't it right? So we're going to explore that. Why, you know, why are we being asked to give a tenth, if that is what you agree with, if that's what you think is a biblical idea? 
I happen to think it is, but you may have a, a different idea, but just discuss it in, mid, in midweek groups. So there are three answers to the question, why is it the right thing to give in this way and to that amount? And the first, well, the, I think there's three reasons to be on the next slide, in fact. The first reason, I think, is because we should tithe for God's sake. So let's look at verses 6 to 9 of our passage again, shall we? I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Again, let's have another joke. It's, uh, it's good just to get a bit of humor in as well, a very serious topic, but let's just uh, think about it uh, in an amusing way. There's a, a fundraiser approaches someone who's very rich, a very high net worth individual, and uh, this, this particular rich person hasn't donated any money to the fundraiser's charity before. And so, um, and the individual is very rich, he's worth over a million pounds. And so the fundraiser is wanting to ask him for some money. And so the, the rich person says, explains why he hasn't given. First of all, he says, my mother is bedridden and gets no help from social services. Secondly, I haven't given uh, because I've got five kids through di- three divorce marriages. And third, my sister's husband recently died and she has got no one to, to support her four children. I'm so sorry, said the fundraiser. I'm really sorry. I, I do feel bad about asking you for money. So you should, replied the rich person. If I'm not giving them any money to them, I'm not going to give you any money either. <laughs> now, Malachi doesn't pull any punches either. He's, he is a, it's a very strong word he preaches to his audience. He's saying, your giving doesn't measure up to what is required. And he says they've turned away from God's laws, they've turned away from his decrees, and that is bad, that's serious. But then Malachi then accuses them of robbing God, cheating God. And they say back to God, how, how are we robbing you? How, how, can we, how do we do this? And then God says, well, it's in the matter of tithes and offerings. And the point of this is very simple, really. It's that that proportion is the Lord's, and it belongs to him anyway. And so when we're not giving it to him, we're withholding from him what is rightfully his. And God, I don't, I'm sure, is not being vindictive in this. He's not being, you know, uh, trying to make us in pain from this. But in giving God the tenth, the first tenth, what we're saying very practically is above all else that God is our highest priority. I talked about giving, didn't I, at the start, and giving in all sorts of ways. He's given us our gifts. He's given us our skills. He's given us our abilities in the first place. And so it's right that we offer them back to him. He's given us his own son, Jesus Christ. And so he's given us his best. We should give our best back to him. R.T. Kendall, a very well-known preacher, says this. God cares about what we do. He cares about the way we live our lives, and he cares whether or not we try to please him. And so this is about putting God first in our finances. 
And so the biggest issue really is, is God the King and the Lord of our lives? Do we want him to be? Do we seek to please him? Do we try to honor him with our whole life, to love him with all that we have and all that we are? And if the answer to that is yes, then he's made it very clear how he wants us to do that. In the area of our money, he wants us to give him the the first tenth, the 10% of the tithe. So what does that look like? It means that it's the first tenth, so that whenever at your salary or whatever it is comes into your bank account, that regular incoming, that means that that first tenth is what goes out to God. Now, most of us will have a weekly or monthly income of some description. And that is what we're talking about. That gift is coming out of that regular whatever is coming in. Or perhaps are we sort of doing it at the end of the month or when we've used up whatever we needed and we then give to God, to God what's the, the leftover? You know, when we think we can afford to give to God, do we then give to God, well, I, I can afford to give you that, God, because I've now spent the money on the other things I need to spend it on. And can you, I mean, honestly, is that honoring God? That's what the Israelites are doing. And God says through Malachi, you're robbing me. And so the first reason for tithing is that we do it for God's sake. He's given us his best, so we give our best back to him. We tithe for God's sake. Also, we should tithe for the sake of the church. Let's read verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. And so what's the result of this giving in this way? It says there will be plenty of food. There won't be enough room to store it. The temple that the people rebuilt after the exile had a special room in it. And it was a room called a storeroom. Not a very exciting name for a room, but it's a storeroom. And in that is, in fact, it's actually the royal treasury chamber. And that is where the offerings to God are are kept and where they're stored. It's sort of like a big safety deposit box. But Malachi is saying, because of the lack of tithing, there's not the full amount of money and offerings and food in there. And that is to go to the Levites. In Numbers chapter 18, if you're interested, it talks about that. The Levites, the priests who run the temple. And these are the people who organize the worship, organize the duties, all of these things, teach God's people. uh, And they receive the sacrifices and they present the sacrifices. But at this point, there are no means to support them. There's no means of, they've got no means of income to support themselves. I get a a stipend at this, this point. They've got no means of income at all. And so they receive the tithes to release them to serve God and his people so that the temple and the worship of God was done well and fittingly for God's will. And so if the storeroom isn't there with food and other things, then how can the Levites offer the sacrifices that have been asked of them? And so the temple life and the, and the worship of the temple, which is absolutely central to the life of Israel, it begins to fall short of all that it should be and could be. 
And that, you see, that storeroom, that treasury room, is exactly what Paul has in mind when he writes to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. St. Paul says, Every Sunday, each of you must put aside some money in proportion to what he or she has earned and save it up so that there will be no need to collect money when I come. It's the same principle, the story of God. Another story. Uh, there's a story of the minister who stood up in church one Sunday and announced to his congregation, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. The good news is we've got enough money for our building project. The bad news is it's still out there in your pockets. Now, we're not going to do a building project. I assure you we're not, so don't worry. So, what is Malachi saying? Through Malachi and through, of course, other teachers in the Bible, through Paul particularly, God makes it very clear that he's calling you and I to give the tithe not only because it honors him, but because of what it can do for the cause of his church. And I think, you know, if tithing was practiced by the church throughout the world, then we wouldn't have those ugly thermometers up outside some churches that we see. You know, if there's enough, enough in the storehouse, if you like, then there would be more than we needed. There would be overflowing because there would be enough, more than enough. And the church would be freed from its dependency upon a few generous givers. Because the church, which is you and I, and the church across the world, had responded to God's call and done so with a glad heart. And as it says, the result of that giving is, from verse 10, so that there will be plenty of food there. Now that's talking about literal food, but it's also talking about spiritual food, spiritual nourishment. And the church is, amongst other things, the way in which the world is fed. A hungry world is fed materially and spiritually. And at Christ Church, we're doing that, aren't we? We're, we're feeding the community around us. We're doing that in all sorts of ways. We're reaching out. We're, we're feeding the community around us with the bread of life, the word of life. But of course, you know, there's ministries that are yet untapped. And without the financial backup, the financial resources, we can't grow in that way without that. And so we've got to be, a, you know, we want to be, I'm sure, don't we, we want to be a, a growing and a vibrant church that seeks to make a difference to the community around us. I mean, that story that Debbie told you about my meeting with Carla is an evidence of that, that God is working in our community. And I know you know, I know you know this, and I'm, I know I'm telling you things you know already, but the church doesn't run on thin air. We've got the regular in, uh, outgoings that we have to pay, of course. And I do think that practice of giving offerings to God is a faith venture. Uh, there was a church that I was a vicar of um, when I was in Australia. And every single Sunday, the offering came up and people came up in person with basically a sort of sound of trumpets. And, and the, you know, it was amazing. Celebration of giving. It was wonderful. Not saying we have to do that like that here, but in some, you know, in some ways it just made it so public. We're giving to God because he's been good to us. But I do want to challenge you on whether you plan your giving. And if we want the church to be well resourced, the fact is it's got to be paid for. And so I'm going to challenge you. Do you give the best of your earnings? And do you do it gladly? 
So we're called to tithe for God's sake. We're called to, to tithe for the sake of the church, but also we're called to tithe for your sake. Look at verses 10b. So the second half of verse 10 through to 12. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. There's a clear teaching going on here. And it's that if in your, in your giving to God that which is rightly his, he will bless the giver in more ways than the giver can imagine. I will open the floodgates of heaven and pour out my blessing. But do you also notice what it says just before that? It says, put me to the test. And God is actually saying something really interesting here. God is saying to you and to me, he's saying, go on, test me. Go on, trust me. Trust me that your faith, you know, if by stepping out and giving me your best and giving me more than you'd ever dared to before, test me, God says, and I will open the floodgates of heaven and I will pour out my blessing and show you how good and faithful I am to you. Psalm 34 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. If you want proof that God is good, and that he will honor us if we honor him first, not only in our lifestyle and our morals, but also with our pockets, then show him you mean business, and he will bring more blessing on you than you could have imagined. Now, there are times when I've experienced that. And, you know, there's a cool logic, isn't there, that says, you know, I don't have enough money to give that tenth. I don't have enough. I can't do that because I don't have enough. And so therefore, I'll just, you know, hold on to it because it's, it's what I need for my family, for the daily essentials, to pay the bills, and so on and so on. And that's, you know, in, the, in your mind, probably that's maybe the way you argue it out with yourself that, well, that's, that's, that's what I need. And so you can justify that. But God, you see, looks at us, and he looks at us, and he, he looks into our hearts, and he says, I want you to show me that I am worth the first call on your money, and then I will provide for you when it looks crazy and seems crazy that, to, for you to give like that. And God says, I will prove my love for you when you obey me in this, and I will prove my love for you. And that has been true in my life and, and in Debbie's and my life. There have been some times when Debbie and I have been through very difficult financial times. And sometimes we responded with faith to God and, and kept on giving, kept on giving, and sometimes I'm ashamed to say we've sort of reduced or even stopped. You know, we've buckled under the pressure. We've hold, held on to what is, is in our bank accounts and not given God his fair share. And I can honestly say that the times when we have been faithful and trusting and given God what he is due, then he is, that's when he's blessed us. That's when he's shown us his, his blessing. And as we commit to tithing, we also show that he can trust us with whatever he wants to give to us. Somebody has said this, if he can give it through you, he will give it to you. If he can give it through you, he will give it to you. 
If he knows that we won't selfishly keep hold of it for ourselves, but we will share it with others, then he will bless us with those things to share with others. And so time and time again throughout history, as people have honored God, then God has honored them. And they've seen that there's more money available than less. That's the promise of blessing we find in this passage. But we mustn't give in order to receive the blessing. That's, you know, I don't agree with that at all. We don't give to receive the blessing. Because elsewhere in the Bible, it teaches us we don't earn, we can't earn God's approval, his blessing. No. Our motivation, our main motivation to give or to give more must be that we want God's name to be honored and magnified and glorified above all else. Nevertheless, this is as close as you get to God saying he wants to bless us spiritually and materially if we put him first in our lives. If our hearts desire to see God's kingdom grow on this earth, and that means the local church primarily, and if you're so committed to the cause of Christ that you will joyfully, willingly give to God the portion that he has claimed for his own. John Wesley said this, earn as much as you can, save as much as you can, invest as much as you can, give as much as you can. And so if we're going to see God's blessing come down upon this church in abundance, then it's clear from this passage and other passages in Scripture that we need to be giving abundantly. There's another saying that's true. You can never outgive God because when you give to God, you discover that God gives to you. Now, as I draw to a close, just a couple of disclaimers uh, quickly. If you are a Christian and your partner isn't, you may be sitting there thinking to yourself, Peter, how is this going to work for me? And I don't want to put you under condemnation. That's absolutely not what I want to do. Uh, I do not want to put you under condemnation if you're not tithing. But equally, don't use that as an excuse. Tell God that you want to give to him and ask him to open a way for you to do that. Secondly, what about if you're on a low income or on a pension or in debt? Again, I don't believe the church should condemn anyone or manipulate anyone to give more than they want to give. But what I urge you to do is to seek God's face in prayer. And again, ask him to give you the wisdom what to do in this matter. So let's sum up. Next slide, Uh, please, Mike. Thank you. So what is God calling us to do? How is he calling us to honor him by committing to him that tenth, that first portion, and why? Well, he's asking us to do it for his sake, so that his name is honored. Secondly, for the sake of the church, so that we, his people, have got the resources to fulfill the mission that he's giving us and has given us. And for our own sake. Because through doing that, He is released. God is released to show us his goodness through blessing us. And so how can we respond? Very clearly it says repent. In verse 7, God says, turn back to me and I will turn to you. And again, it's a very personal thing, very personal. But if you 
are not honoring God in this area of, our, of your life, then it says to repent. And be determined to go God's way, to obey him, to honor him in this way. Or it might be to review our giving, practically. Are there things that you need to stop buying in order to be able to give to God? Or is there a way that God is asking you and me to change the way we give? It might be giving regularly, it might be giving systematically via the bank. That might be what God's asking you to do. Or if you're in a difficult situation, there's no personal income or very little, or your partner doesn't share your faith, or there's a debt, then ask God, seek his face. What are you asking me to do, Lord, in this situation? Seek the advice of others that you trust as well. And lastly, recapture a vision. Again, this is central to to what we're doing as a PCC, is, is, is discerning a vision for our church. And that, above all, is for the honor of God, for his name so that we can reach out, so that we can bless this community. And so the blessing of God that will fire our hearts, will fire us up, so that none of this is done out of guilt, none of it's done out of duty, but out of a loving response to glorify his name. And so maybe next Sunday, we're invited to give a particular gift. Perhaps that can be a step on the way for us as a church to recommit ourselves to glorifying God with our giving. Let's pray. I'm just going to give a moment of quiet before I pray for you, just to be quiet with God in prayer. Heavenly Father, you know our hearts. You seek our hearts. You search out our hearts. You know where we are before you in this matter and many others. And Lord, you don't come to condemn, but you come to bring life, life in all its fullness. And so, Father, I pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, would enable us to know your will for us each and every one of us. Lord, we want to glorify your name. We want to honor your name. We want to build up your church here. We want a vision of what you want to do through us. And Lord, so much of that does depend on our giving. Lord, help us to uh, discern what is right for us individually, as families and as individuals. And to come before you and to say, Lord, that is what we feel is the right amount. So that your name is honored and your name is glorified. And so that those around us may also know the blessing of being in God's family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.